Men's business is for men who want to improve themselves in every area of their lives in order to become more capable husbands, fathers, and leaders. Our podcast interviews men who have shared the same journey with us, imparting their wisdom, focusing on providing tips and tools to help you define your purpose, improve your mindset, build relationships, and grow as a leader. On this episode of the podcast, we interviewed Coach Kent, a regular member of the men's business meetups and calls. He shares a bit about his upbringing, the influences that shaped him into who he is today, and why he's drawn to the work he does. And we ask him how men's business has impacted him and some of his takeaways. Check it out. Oh, we are alive. Serious business. Here we are. Serious business with men's business. All right, Cam, let's get back to what we just just spoke about and how when you were younger, you had weirdos coming up to you all the time. <laughs> That sounds so shady. Maybe that's why I've got a um a mini black van as my next instalment of uh yeah my automobiles. Um, coming home from school sport, bunch of us guys sitting at the back of the bus on the four nine two from Campsie heading into Kingsgrove, and this woman gets on the bus, and everyone sort of stops giggling and laughing and joking and just sticks there like head in their lap kind of thing like looking down not trying to make eye contact and I just kept my head up and just sort of smiled at this woman she came around and sat right next to me now all my mates start laughing she had like the orange stained lips the orange stained the two fingers on her right hand were stained from smoking cigarettes and we just started chatting right so they're all snickering and laughing and she's like give me a palm I'm like, oh, man, she's going to stab me or spit in it or something or get the cigarette and burn me. She's like, I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, just give me your palm. I want to read your, read your palm. I'm like, yeah, okay, no worries. So I give her my palm and she, she's looking at it and she's like, mm, ah, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, I don't want to ask. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's that? And she's like, you've got a lifeline like JFK. Oh, fuck. <laughs> wow, that's not a good comparison. I'm like, oh yeah, so like, sort of. He's got really convertible. It's like really, he's. Got, I'm gonna be really famous. She's like, oh, uh, I don't know, but just yeah, it stops. It stops halfway. I'm like, oh okay, thanks, thanks for sharing that. I'm like, oh, wasn't he yeah. like three or something when he got whacked? Fuck man, he was how old? Forty three. Oh, fuck, he looked good for 43. I can see, um, yeah, yeah, something like that. And you, oh, man, that's a bit shady. He was really young. He was young. He was young. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so always been open to chatting, especially with um, widows and things like that, I think. Just um, must be something written on my forehead. Target weirdos. Or, or on your hand. No, 46. He was 46. He was 40. Well, good. I got a few more years to go. Yeah, you got a few years to go. Oh, shit. I better get famous real quick. Actually, and buy a Cadillac. No, don't buy a Cadillac. Stick with the van. The free hugs van. That's the one. <laughs> Actually, I'm, yeah. I should be getting a few decals on that soon. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're here to talk about Coach Cam. He's um, one of the participants of men's business. Um, Cam, do you want to just sort of lead in and how you got to men's business? Uh, what drew you to it? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, God, what year would it have been? I had just started getting to my own personal growth, um, whatever the fuck that means, right? Um, and I was finding that I was getting more medicine out of things just from dealing um, with men, going to men's circles. And I'd actually met you at another men's circle. Um, and I really enjoyed a bunch of blokes getting together and talking about stuff. Um, I found just the sh- like sharing their day to day. Like everyone thinks you're they're an island. I know I did. No one else is going through the same stuff that I am. Um, and it was really refreshing to see the other blokes from all different walks of life, um, nationalities, professions. We're going through the same shit and just trying to figure out how to get through their own stuff and like the day. So that was really cool. Um, that men's circle didn't continue it moved online which i sort of got a bit shitty with um because i was enjoying it right it was about 15 to 20 of us meeting up um and then i think i followed you on instagram daryl and i was there was a bit of a lurking maybe a little bit of fangirling going on um and i was i was stalking yeah i was stalking (laughs) Um, so I was liking a few and then sort of a bit of chitty chatter. And then I think I just went like, screw it. I'll just jump on a zoom. And I know, I think, fuck, which lockdown was it? I think it was the, the second lockdown. It's the second one. Yeah. The second one, excuse me. Thanks, Chris. The second lockdown started and you both decided to, um, run your calls weekly, which, um, for me, that was like. I think I've said it before, that was like an anchor for me in my week where um, you could be seen and heard, you could share what was going on, um, as little judgment as possible, but fuck me, man, I'm like the judgment guy sometimes, my head just starts um, going off, but it, for me, it was just that once a week thing that I could check in um, and not feel too weirded out by my own feelings or my emotions or what I was going through. So that's, yeah, that's how I, um, yeah, found you guys, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, that just dropped out for me. I don't know. If... Yes, yeah, I saw you cut out for a second there, but I was <laughs> going to say, man, like a, a lot of people, a lot of men, especially like, I think um, would resonate with what you just shared. Like there's a lot of guys out there who just suffer in silence and they don't express what's going on in their head and they don't realize how similar their problems are to other people. You could be walking around other yep. people who are dealing with the, like a very similar issue and they might be able to share some insight or even just relate to what you're, you're going through. We've been taught to bottle things up. That's the problem. And, and that's, that's where we're trying to get through and, yeah, it's because it is. It's so common. Yeah, I um, definitely feel that I had been told not to cry, not to show emotion. Um, I was away uh, on a okay. Well, yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah, constantly. Um, I did my apprenticeship with a council, so it was just a bunch of blokes, like a young dude coming in, not knowing, never been around a lot of men, and, like... Some, some, of the, some of the guys you worked with would sort of help you, show you the ropes. Some of the other dudes would be thinking, fuck, this guy should know what he's fucking doing already. What's his problem? And it just depended on the people. 
Um, yeah, I had another train of thought. Oh, so I was at a different retreat and some breath work and something, my hand kept going up. Who, who remembers the first time they stopped breathing or who remembers the first time they stopped communicating? And my hand just kept going up and we did a process through breath work and stuff. And it was almost like a rebirth. And it took me back to a memory of about four years old. I'd gone up to talk to my dad. I was crying. I, I don't remember why I was crying. All I remember, I was crying and feeling terrible. And I went to speak to him and he gave me a quick backhander across the face and told me, stop, to, stop crying. Stop, stop looking at him with that stupid look on his face, right? So mm -hmm. whatever, whatever that triggered in him, he lashed out, mm -hmm. right? And the process that I went through was like actually feeling, feeling that experience again. And so that's like a four-year-old. So that's like from the stuff I've done on myself and like a lot of learnings and things that stays in your body. And I don't think we realize how much it stays in our body. It's subconscious too. Yeah. yeah. Like it's yeah. like, it's wild. Like from that age, we're just told no emotion, like, or only the, only the good emotions are allowed, like happiness, joy, but like the body, the body shuts everything off. Right. If you can't feel the, the negative emotions, like you can't feel the positive emotions. You know, there's no bandwidth, I think. Yeah. I'm feeling what you're saying, man, because I've got kids and, and like, you know, I've got a, a two-year-old. They call her <laughs> terrible too. She has tantrums. Yep. She gets upset and she doesn't really know how to deal with these emotions. She doesn't have a fully developed brain. And it's, it's interesting. I heard a podcast today. They were talking about this exact same thing. Childhood trauma or just trauma in general, it stays in the body. It stays in the cells. And it could resurface again when you're older. You could be walking around with all that trauma and acting from your trauma as an yes. adult and not know it. It's all, it's all unconscious patterns and behaviors. So it's interesting that you go into that. And I think Daryl can agree on this. Like that's what we, in, in a way, we try to do as well. We try to um, work through those like shadow aspects, those like deeper unconscious kind of things and get, at least give us space to like be comfortable to express. I think that's it. It's the, it's the being comfortable to express. Um, and even then just like someone could be expressing a, a feeling or an emotional experience and watching what happens in your body. Like a couple of times on the calls or something, someone is sharing something and it resonates with me and I'm noticing, Oh my God, my chest is now on fire or something like that. Oh my God, I'm, I'm sweating. I don't know why I'm sweating. All I'm doing is listening to this man's story. Mm -hmm. And this is, my body's responding like this. Well, yeah, yeah. There's a link between our bodies and our, and our subconscious minds. So that's basically, if I can't remember who says it. Might be in Joe Dispenza's... Um, stuff as well but shamanic yep. body etc that's all that's all based on subconscious which the body is technically the subconscious um and then yes stuff stored uh you feel it in that area of your body relating to you know it could be to do with the meridians and such um that trauma then bang yeah you feel it 
Well, um, even just recently on Insta, who was it? I think the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole mm. Summon, I think she's in New York. Mm. And she was like, when there's a trauma and your nervous system cannot handle the experience or the release of like neurotransmitters, a bit of you disassociates from that experience. And if you never go, if you never go back there, part of you mm -hmm. is still reliving that experience in the day to day. And it could be something from childhood from the week before with your boss or something at work. Yeah. Um, so you could be walking around and your perception of the world is you're in survival mode towards 24 seven. I was, um, yeah, for a long time. I, I, yeah. was, I had complete bo uh, body disassociation. Mm. I've had was some experiences too with like triggers that come up in my life or circumstances that like, I don't know, for whatever reason, I felt like I was still that teenager, even though I was an adult. That makes yep. sense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely something we need to get past and work through. Well, I think it's like, it's almost not even acknowledged, man. That the body holds like there's a great book, The Body Holds the Score. That's right. Like yeah. It's not even it's not even acknowledged in current um maybe psychiatry, psychology to work with the body, not just um like chemically alter brain states or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the like the resurgence of breath work and ice baths at the moment, you know, infrared therapy and things like that. Like it's just wild. But it's all old technologies or you know, technologies that have been pretty prevalent in the past are just being um, made public again. Oh, yeah. Resurgence. Yeah. Um, so do you want to tell us a bit about your childhood? What, what you know, things you went through? Oh, wow. And, and also, <laughs> I want to add to that question just to add a little bit more depth too. How, no, do that's think, pretty... <laughs> how do you think that's influenced your life as well? Oh, wow. And shaped you into the man. Holy moly. This is going to be interesting when I share this link to the podcast with my parents. Um, <laughs> so as a teenager and even probably like five, ten years ago, really angry with certain aspects of my mum and dad's parenting. Um, and then going through my own process, they were just coming from a place of what they saw when they were growing up, what traumas they took on. And at the end of the day, parents are just there to help you just survive, right? Hopefully they can teach you to be great adults or good adults. Um, but yeah, growing up, my... Like I used to think mum and dad didn't like me or love me, but I really, I realised they did. Um, dad came from an immigrant family out of Italy and he nationalised here in Australia when he was one. His father passed when he was 13. So he grew up not really with a presence. So he became almost like the surrogate father at 13 of his other two brothers. His mum... Um, was working two jobs, so secretary by day and then used to make Dunlop shoes in the Dunlop factory at night. So he was basically running the household at 13. 
Um, so he's bringing that experience into my experience growing up. So he, he's always worked. He's always worked. Um, and he's always done the best. Like every now and again, I think he's too nice or too much of a bully. Like there were times when he was stressed, everyone just switches. Right. So I think for me, that, that story I um, shared earlier, I think me coming to him crying with my bad feelings has triggered him not being able to handle those feelings come up in himself and he's defended himself because the feelings are bad. Unfortunately, it's against your four-year-old son, right? Um, so that's, that, that's how he knew how to handle um, those bad feelings, which is a bit shit. Um, Mum came from an immigrant family as well. Her grand, her parents had to leave pretty much Raj, India. Um, so my grandfather left India to work in um, London for British Airways. So he was there um, sending money back to my grandmother. Um, she was living in a dirt hut, raising pigs to get some money in India. This is only like, 80 years ago, man, it's wild, right? So then she eventually, with one suitcase and two children, jumped on a flight, British Airways flight, from, I think, um, Mumbai to go over to London. And eventually from London, they've come over to Australia. Um, I grew up, like, my grandfather taught me how to fish. We used to go to Bundina and go fishing. He got me into plants. So I was, I was a landscape gardener for 10 years before a PT so I really love fishing and plants and that was sort of like that was his legacy he had like three green thumbs he could make mangoes germinate he could grow fig trees like he he just had a green thumb he also had a fucking gambling problem and was not allowed to handle any of the money right so my grandmother actually looked after all the finances um for them and looked after the chickens they had in Yaguna, Bass Hill, um, which is a small sort of suburb sort of west of Sydney. So both my grandparents' sides, they've come from basically nothing and started their own, started the life out here in Australia. So mum and dad growing up, they just worked hard out, but they really just worked hard out. Um, Dad was working while mum was raising the kids and then they both started working. Mum got a teaching degree and started teaching and dad's always been in finance, like financial planning and stuff and um, super, that kind of stuff. So eventually um, they moved away to Adelaide. Um, but that's their little history. But for me growing up, it was fun. It was sort of like, Went to school, feel really independent, like was walking to and from school in year one, making my own sandwiches in like year one and year two, doing my uniform, year three and year four. I'm in mean, high school, was catching the bus and train to high school um, at Fort Street in Petersham. You went to Fort Street? Yeah, man. Mm. That was pretty cool. But then like growing up, like going to Fort Street, we were in the sort of randoms group, the leftovers group. We weren't smart enough to be with the nerds. 
We weren't sporty enough to be with the jocks. We didn't do enough drugs to be with the drug, druggy people. Um, we weren't Asian enough to be with the Asian crew, but we loved going to a camp scene and playing snooker. Like we'd jig school and go and um, play pool or snooker for like four hours at a time. And this was back in the day, like 1995. The only reason we didn't get stabbed or rolled by the 5T gang is because um, one of our mates was, the, his cousin was in the 5T. That's the only reason we didn't get stabbed as these little 15-year-olds cruising around Campsie. Like wild, good times. Um, yeah, so that was sort of, that's just me growing up. It was really weird, actually, for me. I was, I came second. In my school, not quite ducks in my school, primary school in Chalora, down past Strathfield, punch bowl, but then going to a selective school and then sort of middle to bottom of the pack because everyone else is smart. It was like, oh, this is a bit, bit of an interesting learning curve. For me, that was something to deal with. Um, yeah, that was bizarre. So how did, how did you... Um... Just try to sort of, because we're going to go for an hour, roughly trying to bring it back to yep. where you've, you've gotten onto your life path now. So. Okay. Okay. So the big thing for me with men's work, um, I've always been a joker and a trickster, um, but I've used that as a role to gain, it feels like love and validation, especially from the women in my family, my mum, my grandmother and my aunties. Um, however, in my romantic relationships and things like that, it hasn't always played out well. Um, I'm, I've known in the past, I've, I've sought, seeked, I've been trying to look for my emotional validation from my romantic um, relationships. Um, so then not really being true to myself, not having some really good boundaries in place and not putting my needs first. Mm. So not filling my own cup up to then be able to share my cup with my partner. So doing, have you done, sorry. Have you done much inner child work? <sighs> not enough, to be honest, not enough. Yeah. But I do know a couple of my past relationships have been very similar energetically to my mum. Yeah. Like I have worked that stuff out. Um, and conversely, I've been like my partner's dad. Yeah. Right? Interesting Energeti how that works. Energetically. Mate, you just keep, if you don't learn the lesson, the universe is like, here, have another go, have another go, have another go. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So bringing it back around... Um, the calls and the days when we all get together with men's biz, it's a way of getting my emotional validation seen and heard from men. Mm. And it's a way of getting that positive um, masculine nurturing because it's different nurturing, right, from female nurturing. But it's filling up my own cup um, emotionally from men then sort of trying to the needing it from women or trying to take my filling my own cup up from women, which that's a lot of stress, right? If it's, if it's on your female, um, your romantic relationship, like, and 
mate, I'm sure they felt it. My partners in the past felt it, right? Um, and you can't really give all that you are if you're worried about upsetting the person that deep down subconsciously you're worried that you're going to upset them so that they don't emotionally validate you, right? Yeah. So that's something I found for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it is funny how that that plays out. <clears throat> Especially like, yeah, if, when you've got this childhood wounding that just carries on until you get rid of it and you just look for it. It's not so much you look for it, but you find it in your partners. Well, yeah, unless you're dealing with it and getting rid of it, you still that wounding is still vibrating out there, right? So you're attracting, you're attracting that partner in so you can heal it. Yeah. But if you can heal it without attracting that partner in, even better. Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're on it, like if you're on the path, yeah. sort of doing the whatever work needs to be done. But um, sometimes it it's also takes a partner to actually show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. My... um. My ex and I, we had the most amazing conversation after we'd split up. Mm. And we realized we trauma bonded so hard. And it was like we were getting high. It was like we were just picking each other's scabs from our from our like childhood wounding. We were getting high off high off our own supply, right? Yeah. Those neurotransmitters felt amazing and your your vagus nerve is like, God, this feels so it feels so known but it's like detrimental to both of your fucking lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah great question. Great question. <laughs> great answers too. Like there's a lot there like, you can unpack and relate to as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But that's the thing, right? Like um, like during during lockdown, I had decided just beforehand, I decided to do dry July for a year. So my, like I can say I'm a, I'm a Piscean, I love drinking, right? But fuck, I like drinking because it just stops me feeling the bad feelings, right? Um, so it was really good sitting with them. Well, not good, but it was like it was needed. It was really needed. And then to share them during the Zoom calls and a couple of catch-ups, that was exactly what was needed for me anyway yeah just to just to express without the um without getting a backhand to the head yeah oh and, yeah. and on that note too man i was <laughs> i was going to pivot back to that because like um do you think that maybe it like like as you said that like he his response was sort of like he didn't want to deal with that but do you think that maybe that was his conditioning as well and he oh, was no. he's programmed and taught the same way like don't deal like this is how you deal with your emotions as a man and you, like for him it must have been really triggering to see you in that way because he he never learned that lesson he never learned how to find a way to express it definitely like like definitely like i think it would have been um god there's so many options it could have been like you know don't cry like you know I'm putting words in my dad's head or mouth like my son doesn't cry, bang, or man up, that kind of man thing. up, bang, yeah. or I think like I've had another experience, another breathwork thing where I I think he reacted because that's what happened to him. 
and that's that could be the only way he knew how to deal with it. And it just like it just goes on and on and on backwards through the line, right? Unless you deal with it, you're going to show up with what you've learned. Like we've learned everything of like how to react to everything by we're seven, right? If you so if you haven't reprogrammed yourself, yeah. Yeah, no, yes, yes, yes. If you haven't, if you haven't decided, look, this the operating system for this experience isn't where what it is. So you need to get in there and um I think we, we were speaking during the week, like about positive thought or something. Um, I know I've heard it elsewhere, like some days my head feels like it's full of weeds. Mm. Doesn't matter how many positive thoughts I want to plant in there, the weeds just rob, rob the happiness and joy of like sunlight and water and nutrients and air that they just can't land and germinate. So it's like pulling out the weeds. Yeah, what was it? I think it was a quote like, you can't plant new seeds unless you get rid of the weeds. Something like that, I think you, you shared. And you, I don't know why, you just sort of reminded me of something. Funny little side note, tonight, my little girl, she managed to get um, like a deodorant roller. And this is just like a moment of reparenting that happened. She was running around the house, putting it on herself. And then I caught her in the mirror, licking it. She, she, she saw me come in and I was like, like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't angrily yell at her or anything like that. I'm just like, what are you doing? She throws it in the air, runs off and hides. Yes. Like, okay. Yep. And, and then in that moment, I was like, you know, for me, if that was me as a kid, I would have been belted. I would have yeah. been slapped and told off mm. and told I was naughty and all that kind of stuff. And in that moment, I didn't shame her. I didn't give her a hard time. I just helped me find the lid. Where's the lid for this? Don't do this again. You're not supposed to lick this. Like it's a like you can learn the lesson a lot easier without all the like the fuss and the beating and the yelling yeah. and screaming and stuff. But I don't know why you just kind of reminded me of a moment like that. That moment for me, it makes me realize like the growth that I've had. Because like when I when I look at my kids, I kind of see myself as mm-hmm. like I was once that. I know what that must have felt like to freak out and go oh shit i did the wrong thing so i don't know why sorry i just have to throw that in there you just kind of reminded me of that well look at that you like it sounds like you had no intention of hitting a roar or whatever but just look at the the presence or the authority of your father has that she freaked out threw the thing up in the air and ran just because she was found doing something and she might get in trouble. Yeah. Like that's how, that's how strong I think fathers are in our psyche we, and we don't even realize how much of an influence we have. Our parents uh, are like, it's hero. God, they're God, they're God. Yeah. yeah. Like that's why if you've got shit parents, it takes fucking ages to get that shit out of your hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> but even then conversely, you can have amazing parents, but your child brain picks up on something and you could have got something that like your parents could have shouted at you to put something down because you were about to grab a hot fry pan off the stove. So they're saving your life, saving your scarring, but you can feel them shouting at you and that might be with you. Even though they've saved your life, saved like burning oil, not getting in your eye, but 
the child has experienced something completely different. Mm. And it's feel, all the, yeah, it's all the child's I, experience. Yeah. I feel you, man. Like I remember one time randomly I was sitting on a bus and I could hear my, like it was just early morning, 6 a.m. in the morning. And for some reason, a thought of my mum yelling at me popped in my head and my nervous system just flared up. Oh. I was like, holy shit, how, how did that happen? Really like stunned me. But I get you. And I also agree. Like I think kids need to learn their lessons as well. They do need to learn the hard way. They need to make mistakes. They need to stumble and trip and hurt themselves so that they know, you know, that's the reaction. Yep. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, and you talking about there about your nervous system kicking off. I remember a couple of times having to talk to older men when I started my apprenticeship and say something like, mate, I don't, I don't like what's happening right now. I don't like doing that. And my whole body has kicked off hot and the sweats and stammering. And it was like, it was like you're telling your dad off as a kid or saying you don't stop it. Right. And so, and the same thing has gone on with um, telling partners like, hey, don't disrespect me. Um, mate, and another hot topic, going up to a woman at a bar you've never met. Hey, how you doing? That fear of rejection of the fear of rejection of you haven't even spoken to this woman, but the fear of rejection of like the possible love or that energy exchange comes or has come up in my body anyway in the past, probably in the future as well, right? But just, it's, it's all there. Like, it's all still there. Mm. Yeah. It's all that inner child programming. But um, I, I want to just, like, kind of switch gears a little bit and, and yeah. like, get into, like, um, with the path that you're on now. Like, do you want to go into that a little bit? Talk about what <laughs> you're doing now and, um, you know, why you're so passionate about why you do what you do now? Well, personal training for me, um, it started, I was still gardening at the time and I was walking, where was I? I just got out of the shower, chucked them some undies on and I walked past the mirror and in my head, I'm like, who's that fat bastard? And I was like, oh shit, it's me. Right. It, it took a double take and I'm like, oh man, I'm a landscaper. I walk on my feet all day but I'm still not really looking at what I eat, blah, blah, blah. So then that just started a journey of um, like, I think a quick Google search started training to be a PT, jumped straight into certificate three and four. And it's just been a roller coaster ever since. So for me, it was like just not realizing what was going on for me, like freaking out, thought it like, my brain's like, my ego's like, who's that fat bastard? And it was me. And I'm like, wow, what the fuck's going on? Um, so the passion behind it come like, like I want to look better naked, right? I don't know who else wants to, but I think a lot of people want, want to look better naked. Um, but for me, I'm the only person in my family, my dad's side, my mum's side, that I would say exercises six out of seven days or even five out of seven or worries about what they're eating, like um, hypertension, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart attacks, stroke, all the cancers, everything runs in both sides of my family. And I could say the only reason that I haven't really worried about what's going on in the last two years is because I've looked after myself. 
like some of my mates who are just naturally jacked and stuff, um, they're like, are you sure you've trained six out of seven days for the last 10 years? I'm like, yes, yeah, screw you, buddy. Yes. Um, but just I'm passionate because it's a constant fight, like a way of showing love in my household growing up was basically my dad would cook us a stack, a six stack of pancakes on a Sunday morning. We'd cut, we'd, we'd, we'd coat them with Nutella because he never had Nutella growing up. He lived in a garage and he shared it with him and his two brothers and parents shared a garage with another family in Condal Park. Right. And they had, they had a sheet between the double garage for the two families. Right. So he had nothing. So his way of showing love was basically um, feeding us up. That was his love language. Yeah, that food was, was his, his love language. Because, mate, like one of their staple meals for breakfast was called Lundetze, and it was basically stale bread cooked in egg and milk covered in sugar. And it was basically his parents, both of them were alive back then, his parents were trying to feed three boys growing up. Right, that's, that's how you do it on a budget, mate. Exactly, exactly. So that was his love language. Um, every time he got a bonus for work, he'd come home with something for us. Right, and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, that kind of stuff. Fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm going straight back to some of these memories right now. Go for it. Man. Um, so. The other thing was like my mum, when I've been at my grandmother's house and mum had two other sisters, we'd all be there for Mother's Day and all they'd all be in the kitchen. But the way they connected and communicated was basically they were eating their curry before it was even cooked. They're getting slices of bread with butter and scooping the curry out and eating it while it was still cooking. And they're all in the kitchen talking and nattering and that's how they were connecting right but it didn't help because then they still ate a whole fucking meal and like everyone in both sides of my family are morbidly obese health issues high cholesterol hypertension Um, incidentally just off the topic there's something called a genome test which you can get um i can look up i forget the website that you can go to so you order a test online much like the dna test and it breaks yep. down all your markers and it can tell you what you're susceptible to what you should avoid um, oh okay really worth looking into and that's like you know yeah, yeah. That's, if you've that's got good heart attacks and things that run in the family it can tell you what your um, potential is yeah well that's pretty good. That's a, another, like a little segue. I um, I really love Joe Dispenza. I also love Bruce Lipton. And he's really all about what's the environment you're growing up in. So he, one of the things he stipulates, it's not the genes, but it's the epigenetics. What genes your environment switches on. Mm. So my both sides of my family they've come they're immigrants they come from sort of poor backgrounds so it's all about survival so it's all about just getting calories in right unfortunately it was just too many calories and then so that was the the nature part is the genes may be susceptible to blood pressure heart attack and stroke 
the nurture part was not really exercising and feeding you up full of sugar and fat. Yeah. And so that was that that was turning on those genes even more. So, yeah, so grow, growing up, like, I suppose they were just, like, trying to keep our family alive, right? And whatever, whatever, however they knew, whatever programming they had. Um, I suppose right now I've got more of a luxury to look at my programming than they did, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, like more access to information and, and good knowledge about healthy living. Information, knowledge, um, even space and time to, for, to increase awareness around things. Like, yeah, I think it's just, just it's, maybe it's lucky that I can look at some of these things, right? Yeah. So um, big circle back. I'm, I'm really passionate about getting people to train and even just eat healthier um, and not even just eat food healthier, like eat, eat the information that they're getting and nourish their brain with new information. Um, I've always thought the obesity epidemic, it's not a food thing. It's an emotional thing. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was taking a pram camp group, so like new mums coming to train at a gym in the city and whenever the babies kicked off and they were having a bad experience or a feeling, a lot of the mums just gave them a rusk and just fed them. A, I think because they were just decision exhausted, decision fatigue, um, and B, they didn't want to deal with holding them and picking them up because um, I think they just wanted some time for themselves, 45 minutes, to do some lunges and some, like, crunches and some push-ups and kettlebell swings, right? So for me, I got really good at like holding babies and like just like shaking them up and down, like there, 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 it's all right, it's all right, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I think just, just changing, changing paradigms. Like, but then conversely, like you just have to move. Like I put a post up the other day, it was 8.30, I didn't want to train. Like no one gives a fuck. If you don't care about yourself, don't expect anyone else to care. So you can, you can have all the shitty feelings you want, but you've still got to do the work, which sometimes people don't want to hear that. Yeah. No. 100%. There's a link, there's a link between obesity and... Um, what is it? My brain's not working now. Um, it's a psychological link between feeling protected and body weight yes i can't i forget i forget the term i forget what it is exactly but yeah there's a there's a link between people who are obese and people that eat in order to feel safe and have that you know extra padding so to speak well, it's like buffering against the world right <laughs> yeah yeah it's buffering against it i um I think two, I think three years ago, I went pretty hard and I lost, I went from a hundred to 90 kilos and I felt I didn't, I wasn't comfortable feeling that size. I felt exposed and unsafe. It was really weird. It was a really weird feeling. I just didn't feel, I feel like things could come at me. 
a bit easier. I might have to get that um, genome test. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely look at the... Um, I'll, I don't know if I can find it now. I should pop it. Um, yeah. But anyway, we can put it in the... Yeah, I'll, links. yeah, I'll add it to the show notes afterwards. Yeah. Mm. Genome web. No, that wasn't it. Was it something DNA? Anyway, I'll find it later. Yeah. But yeah, so like, I don't know, for me, I, I, I'd like to get into more men's work kind of stuff i um when i started my pt i was lucky enough to start in a crossfit gym that was run by a lot of ex-military personnel yeah so they were very um lots of schedules um one of their classic lines was like that sounds like a you problem it was all about taking personal responsibility so if someone was five minutes late and they apologize. It's like, well, that sounds like a you problem. Don't let it happen again. Yeah, accountability that, and putting it back on. Them. Yeah, yeah, huge. Um, so I think that's that's something that I enjoy with men's business. Like you showing up every every fortnight, either in person or on the Zoom call. There's that accountability and sharing stuff. But I yeah. think also for men, we're designed to be more physical. Yeah, like we've got higher muscle mass. Um, our eyes, biologically, we are different. Our eyes have a different setup of rods and cones. So we have better distance perception, better movement perception. Hunting. Where, yeah, hunting. So women's eyes have better peripheral vision and they can see colours better. For that's like the nesting and the foraging and the gathering. Well, it's, it's, if you look into Alison Armstrong's explanation of the hunter-gatherer, uh, she goes into all of that how women had to be a very specific about their description of things like a bush with certain berries that are this color and it's located at this point in the meadow blah 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 and we were you know stealthy quiet had to run catch prey drag it back very different yep yeah, yep yeah, no it's cool what was the name Alison armstrong Alison Armstrong, yeah, she's okay. Perfect. I'll read that. I want to try and incorporate some of that stuff into men's business soon. Yeah, man, you did that one time. I remember the the communication between men and women. Yeah, that was a great um, event as well. It was. It was. Um, But I'll I'll also add that to the show notes as well. Alison Armstrong. So anyone wants to read it, Smart DNA. That's Smart DNA. Yeah, because that's um, isn't it? Women communicate. Women say about twenty thousand words a day, and men say ten thousand. I think I say five. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Yeah, but there there are some significant differences between the way men and women communicate, the way we think, the way we do things. Um, and physiology physiology definitely hardwired differently oh yeah except um, if you're a um an american swimmer i was gonna say yeah yeah, yeah. they they maybe it was the winged keel man the yeah, winged man. keel maybe, maybe it was he was flopping it about maybe give a bit of extra um propulsion the rotor 
the rota. That's that's a whole <laughs> other topic. Wow, wowie, wowie. Hmm. Yes, let's, let's not get into that. <laughs> no, I I just I think it's totally unfair for the the ladies that had trained their asses off for many years to be technically beaten by a man. Well, I have had many discussions with a old client of mine and she would argue till blue in the face mm. that men having more testosterone was not a benefit to men okay. athletically. And I, 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 it was almost like facts could not enter her realm of discussion. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There are ways that women are far superior to men. And I think probably many more ways that women are superior to men, yet physical strength on average is not one of them. Yeah. My testosterone is cool. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Women women like it too. Like, Honestly, like when you've got a healthy balance of feminine and masculine, everything works. Yes. Polarity. Uh, yeah, polarity. It's like you see, uh, we're going to go into a whole different topic here. Get you on know, a different tangent. No, nah, let's, let's leave that for, for now. Back to you, back to Cam. So back to Cam on that so, question we yeah. spoke about. Oh, Which one? About 20 minutes ago. All right. Just a quick one before we go back to that. Um, Plant medicine. Yes. So I, um, I started my journey with plant medicine, um, sneaking around buying little quarter sticks and sticks of pot um, in high school. All right. And I got to a stage where I didn't like it. It was making, it was freaking me out too much um, and stopped. Yeah. 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 Shitty hydro sprayed with fly spray. Um, and then no, like legit, like probably. And then probably in the last year, um, I have started my journey um, with mushrooms, which has been pretty cool for me. My, um, one of my fears was going inside of myself. That that's always been a fear of mine. Going inside, a for not not liking what's in there. Mm. But b the biggest biggest scare for me is not finding anything in there. Which is sort of like, for me, that's more probably um, more purpose-based. Like, you know, the, the big, big, big purpose, big, hairy, audacious goal or something, not finding anything in there. What's the meaning of life kind of vibe? Mm. Yeah. But, or excuse me, however, and my journeys with mushrooms have been great. There's a weird, maybe not weird, but I haven't experienced it before where a medicine gives you what you needed at the time. 
You haven't? Um, not like not like my experience with mushrooms. Like I partied pretty hard um, to the point of like, cool, I'm going to see how many pingers I can have tonight and would just chase them down. Mm-hmm. Or a couple of class A, other class A's. Um, and there was a massive expectation and you're just chasing that expectation. Um, I have, what's the word? I've enjoyed how mushrooms just give you what you needed. May not have been what you expected, but after integrating your experience and looking back, it was exactly what you needed at the time. You're never going to get what you expect with any plant medicine. I would, mm. I, I don't gamble very much, but I would almost put money on that as a point. Yep. But yeah, that's cool. I mean, I remember you told me, what was it you were saying about a mushroom journey that you did five grand? Oh, for my, for my birthday? Yeah. Yes. Um, you did say something about your inner child. So, so on that journey, it was like, it was like a mini death seeing your life flash before your eyes. So during, during that experience, it was like going back through the cinema of your mind Mm. and going back different, different parts of my life where my brain had latched onto it. I'd felt something and I couldn't feel it or it was bad and I had suppressed my emotions. So in, during the journey in my mind's eye, it was like, I was actually feeling the emotion and then feeling the layers, the years with that emotion had come up again. And I was like, I was feeling it leave, leave my body, leave my bones. And it was like this black smoke, this black smoke was leaving my body. Um, That's right. And you know how dogs or animals, if they go through something traumatic, they shake it off. They do a little shake and they just get back to, normal life well i don't think we shake humans at the moment we don't shake it out i know i don't shake it out so it was like it was like a five hour experience five seven hour experience of going back through my emotions (laughs) in my mind's eye seeing this black smoke like leave my hips a lot of family stuff root chakra stuff leave my hips um a lot of shame and a lot of heart stuff as well like really just this stuff leaving my body yeah, but a lot, of, a lot of guilt and shame probably leaving my body, but a lot of shaking, the body actually getting rid of it. It felt mm. amazing. It really felt amazing. That's interesting. Like, yeah. Because there so, is the modality that's just literally shaking. You just shake. Mm. You sit there and shake and your nervous system releases what, whatever it needs to release. Yeah, that shaking meditations. Mm. Well, it's sort of probably like the, um, the ecstatic dancers at the moment. Like whatever you're feeling, that's how you dance, right? Yeah. Something similar, yeah. like you're getting it out, you're purging yeah. it out of your system. Like I know another journey, um, all I did was yawn and laugh. <laughs> yeah, I know, I like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it was like my god my like my vagal nerve was just having a field day it was like getting it all out of the system yawning and laughing yawning and laughing which is like the vagal tone um of ice baths and breath work right yeah. so it's the same it's the same vibe like if we don't get it out of our body it just stays there and it's like instead of rose-colored glasses you've got these shit colored glasses or khaki <laughs> colored glasses right that you see uh, that's the lens of your perception yeah Yeah, so um, I'll keep you posted for the next, the next, my next journey. Yeah. Very nice. I might um, I might saute them up and just if I invite you over for breakfast, just watch out if there's parsley and garlic with the mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a warning. Walk <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> out the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Drive somewhere that day. Yeah, nothing on that day. Yeah. Nothing on that day. No, I think but we see, should go soon anyway. Yeah. But I think, um, so that big one for me, I had done like a dieta where it was like three weeks beforehand, there was a fasting, there was a reduction of inputs into my system. So things had started coming up into my awareness anyway. Yeah. And then another time, uh, it was just after that, I'd gotten back to normal life, whatever the fuck that is, right? Normal life, a lot more inputs into my body and my journey was nowhere near as expressive. But conversely, all my, all my expectation stuff came up, yeah. which was, you know, it's, it's still it's coming up. Yeah. It's interesting that, that, you know, sometimes, yeah, there's the day it's a part of, of plant medicine, then there's the preparation, the preparedness. And, but honestly, sometimes I remember one um, higher journey that Athena and I went to, we did everything you were not supposed to do. I'm not recommending to do this yeah. by any means, um, but it, it was just a situation. We went to the place, the... Um, place that we meant to stay in there was a teepee there we were going to stay in the teepee somebody was in there then there were no other rooms we had to go get a room we drove back to Terrigal um long story short yeah we did everything you know in preparing for an eye journey that you weren't supposed to do and I had we both had the most intense journeys ever mm -mm -mm. it's um yeah it's interesting because it, it, I think it all depends on your mindset as well. It's not just saying, okay, no salt, no sugar for a week. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, water, whatever, sure. But I think if you just go in with that attitude and, and you surrender to the medicine, then the medicine is going to give it to you. If wants. Well, it's also like, like the universe is saying, well, how bad do you want this journey? when it fucks up all your prep, you've got to go else. You know what I mean? Like how committed to it are you? Yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, too. yeah. I recently did a sweat lodge and for four days, none of the emails were going back and forth between myself and my referee who I was speaking to and she couldn't forward them on to the, um, the woman holding space for that uh, ceremony. 
and mm. it was like, well, this is re- this is like, how bad do you want this sweat lodge? So mm. all my things were coming up about not being seen and heard. Like, fuck, I've got to write this email again. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yes. So it's all part of the it's all part of the journey once you commit to it, right? Yeah. Because it's <laughs> it's a lot more to this three dimensional existence than we can see. Well, I'm doing a twelve week challenge with my gym that I go to, and I'm running my clients through a twelve week challenge. And everyone wants the results, right, for the end. But it's the journey, it's the process of like, shit, now I've got to do this, this, and this. What's coming up in me that is stopping me to following these really simple steps, right? And that's the real work. It's not the measuring the one and a half cups of fucking rice and one cup of chicken and a cup of broccoli. It's the what's coming up to stop me doing those things. Or am I aware enough to see where I'm sabotaging my goals? Yeah. Chris, yeah. do you want to um, go back to? Yeah, man, I was just vibing on everything that was being said. Like, just nodding my head, agree with everything. But um, I guess, like, maybe to like end it on a high note. Um, that question that we were talking about before the podcast. Um, in terms of men's business and like you being involved in men's business, how it's affected you, and how do you think? Like, you know, it could be a benefit to someone out there who's looking for a, a like-minded community and, and a space to be able to express themselves. Um, well, for me, like I, I said previously, it really got me through um, the lockdown. I um, just, your world had shrunk for me anyway. My world had shrunk and it was an anchor for me each week. Okay, something I knew was coming up. Um, I could share, I could get how I was feeling out of my body from what we've been talking about, right? Get it out of my body. Um, no judgment. So you're seen and heard, which is some of the biggest things for being a human being, right? There's that connection. Um, and just getting to know other men on a different level. Cause really at the end of the day, we know our dads, maybe some uncles, maybe a couple of family friends, but as everyone develops, those relationships gets further and further apart, even if they're in the same city. So this is a really good way of, um, what's the term? It's like your third place. You've got home, you've got work, and you need that third place like to just to fill your cup up. Mm. So you like after the talks and stuff, I really feel like my cup is full. And then I'm uh, for me personally, I can give more to my clients, I can give more in romantic relationships. I can give more in my professional relationships. You know, you can, you can smile at the barista the next morning. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, you're Mr. Regular Cappuccino. I'm like, you know it. You know, just whatever. Like, as long as your cup is full, you can share with some other people. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I get you, man. And, and I think I, was, I mentioned this once, like, on a call that, like, in my day-to-day life, it's always just surface level, like, when I'm in the office yes. with co-workers, I never have these kinds of conversations about inner child work or trauma or anything like that. It's just not socially acceptable to do that in certain environments. Yep. But th- this that stigma gets, gets taken away in this kind of space. 
What a weird planet we live on. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Like the, the small talk, bullshit, rubbish, water cooler stuff. Did you see the footy last night? Nothing wrong with footy. Like I used to love rugby league, but like at the end of the day, like it's fucking, it's just a distraction away from who we, from who we, we really are, right? Like at the end of the day, it's about coming back to, coming back to yourself, coming back to love, coming back to joy, coming back to grace, um, coming back to a steak and a red wine when I can eventually drink a red wine, um, maybe a hot bath and a cigar or something, but whatever, you know, like it's coming back to that yourself. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and those things that you mentioned too, that's like a form of self-care. And I think that's kind of in essence, like it's a form of self-care in a way as well. But um, yep. back to that other question, how do you think it could benefit other guys? Um, shit, I thought I'd answered that. Oh, okay. I mean, just from your own experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, for I me, for, well, for me, for me, um, yeah. for me, when I was um, like, I think I'd started with you guys when I was in a relationship and it just took the pressure off my partner to be there for me all the time. Like I could share my experience with you guys and I'm getting some of your experience. So emotion, I'm getting emotionally validated. Like I'm not, I'm not grasping or needing or taking, um, filling up my cup by taking from someone else. We're sharing and filling each other's cup up. Not like five guys, one cup, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to cut that bit out. No, oh, I'm kidding. There's no, there's no, there's no censoring on this. <laughs> so you guys are sort of funny as well, so it sort of helps, right? Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, that, I, I can't say that didn't go through my mind before when you said something about a cup and I was just like, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> That's all right. I'll say it. You guys, you guys have got to be like the pillar, the pillars, <laughs> right? I'll, yeah. will be the thing. But um, like, so for men's biz, I think there's something about a bunch of dudes getting together, but we've gone into nature, right? We've done a couple of sparring sessions. We've done some cacao ceremonies and things. There's something about guys together supporting each other mm. that is very lacking, especially in a life-affirming way. We're not going out, getting drunk. We're not going out. We're not racing cars, even though that's cool as well. Um, like, you know, like we could do that stuff, but it, I find that it's guys getting together in a life-affirming way to support each other, yeah. which, is, which has benefited me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also seeing that, you know, this this is something I think that we've tried to try to say that we, you know, everyone thinks they're in their own boat. Yes. And when we have the the sharing circles and you know the trying to keeping it confidential, etc., all of that sort of stuff, but people open up. And then, you know, that was one thing. Remember one of the first um, events we had, Chris, when we were back at the Medicine Wheel? I do remember that, yeah. And there was just a whole bunch of blokes and everyone was just, you know, really in their own space, didn't want to talk. And, and by the end of it, everyone was just, yeah, 
Shuri. I remember that. Yeah, everyone was in the waiting room. They looked intimidated. No one was really like being like, you know, what's the word? Like extroverted with each other. And then by the end of it, everyone's hugging each other and chatting about just everyday life and like just letting their guard down and being vulnerable. Yeah. I think, I think that's the important thing, like just moving into the next stage of, of, of evolution, life, existence. You know, we, we can't be what, what men were. We were warriors. We were hunters. You know, maybe we're going to need to hunt again. Who knows what's going to happen, but it's, it's, it's a different level that we need to come into. And, and I might add to that too. I think it's a rite of passage as well that's missing from everyday society. Like, yes, like, like to not to go too far into it, but like, you know, tribes used to have like hunting packs that go out together. They would go and sit by the fire. They would share their stories. It's so lacking in this day and age. It's sitting around at the pub drinking beers. Like it's just a different kind of setting. It's a different kind of environment. Yeah. There was a um, a mate of mine said, and he heard this from someone else, that we're in a world full of olders, not elders. And it was just old men should be respected because they've lived. They've circled the earth, They've circled the sun for more time than other people instead of their morals, their values, and what they've done with their lives as elders. I think the biggest thing at the moment... Actually, the biggest thing for blokes at the moment, there's no rites of passage and the values of your tribe aren't being given to the young men from the elders. There's no, which is tested in the rite of passage. Yeah. Right? The rites of passage is like the first time you get drunk, first route, you get a car, you rent, like somewhere to live, you move out, your first fight. Like, Well, traditionally, traditionally talking about tribal ways, rite of passage could have mean you die yep like it quite often was you know the potential of of dying and that's when you've got to take shit seriously and well, Darryl, I, I, sorry go Ken. no you go you go you go you go I, I've, I've heard daryl say this before and i actually heard it heard it again today that phrase that weak men create hard times mm. hard men create good times like that you know that that saying? Yeah. Like I, I feel like that's the kind of time that we're living in. People are so comfortable in their bubbles, in isolation. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I just finished this book, the Samurai Mind, and um, that was one thing that he says. It was just that when the samurai, not wasn't the samurai when sort of lords would get too comfortable, they became corrupt. And, they, and instead of being warriors where they would just be strong in their morals and, and standings, they then fell into weakness because of luxuries. Mm. Like, is anything wrong with luxury? Yeah, it's fine. But at the same time, you still have to be strong in your morals and you have to stand as a warrior, so, so to speak, you know, for, for truth and justice, etc. These, these are some yep. key aspects that are missing from a large sector of today's society. Mm. 
Yes, well then. Big finish, big finish. Yeah. All right, well, we've been pretty much an hour. Um, any Anything to wrap it up? Well, I was going to say, Cam, if, if there's any, like, last bits that you want to, like, drop knowledge, but also where can people find you as well? Yeah. Okay. Um, so on, on Instagram, Coach Cam PT, um, my you, website. The underscore. Hey? Haven't you got an underscore? No. Oh, sorry. Shit. At anyway. Coach Cam PT. At Coach Cam PT. My website, coachcamppt.com.au. Please, yeah, just have a quick look there, Daryl. That'd be amazing. Um, I don't know. Like, as blokes, we just, I don't know. There are times where we just may have to fucking man up. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah, how. It's... What is it? What is it? Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, one word, C-O-A-C-H-C-A-M-P-T. And yeah, that's it. Coach Cam PT. Um, yeah, there are going to be times where we may just have to man up and it doesn't matter how we're feeling as men. We just have to get shit done. However, there also has to be currently another time where we get these feelings out of our bodies mm. and our heads and our hearts with other men that we trust and admire. That's the right. That you, like we have to, we have to hold on to, like at the end of the day, we're the, we're the pillars that our families revolve around, our relationships revolve around, but we need to stay solid and not let the feelings erode of who we are, but we need to get them out with other men we trust that we share some kind of bond with. So for me, that's the biggest thing about um, men's business. Like you can hold on to certain feelings like for the two weeks or whatever between sessions, but then you get that stuff out. So mm. you, you're, back, you're back to being light again. But there yeah. are times as men, we're designed, we are actually designed to push our feelings down and get shit done. Like if we're hunting, back in the day, if we're hunting a wildebeest and we get stalked by a saber-toothed tiger, we don't shit ourselves or because we'll die because mm. we're scared. We push that down. We have to get the work done. But then we also get the feelings out amongst the other men that we trust and admire. So that's, that's what men's business is all about, getting your feelings and emotions out so you can continue to be the rock or the pillar, but a light rock and a light pillar, like you're solid, but you're not heavy, yep. if that makes sense. Yep.